Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get busy. It's that time of the afternoon. The panel has assembled in the studio topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Joining us, Stephen Holliday, Deputy Mayor and Counselor for Ward 2 at Tobacco Center. How's the Deputy Mayor? I'm doing just great. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Always a pleasure to have you here. Joe Mahevic is a former city counselor, currently visiting prof at York University in urban studies. How's Mr. Mahevic? Mr. Mahevic is great. It's uh, just great to be on your show. Welcome back from, I think you had some holidays. I did. Hard yeah. to tell sometimes, isn't yeah. it? Okay. Well, uh, I <laughs> they appreciate They still give them out. That's yeah, good. They do. Uh, we haven't come to that where everything is curtailed. Peter Sherman rounding out the panel, broadcaster, businessman, and former MPP. How's the Shermanator? Shermanator is doing fine and as always happy to be back with Mr. Oakley. Well, you know, and I appreciate you're all saying the same. Let me ask you, because this is the first thing I wanted to get out of the way, given that we have two people who have been invested in city council here, because it just, uh, my memory got tweaked on this one, uh, I guess when it was, or twigged on this one when uh, we were talking about the CNE earlier, 140th year this year. And I think, uh, Joe, wasn't it your... Uh, buddy uh, Councillor Perks, who was making some noise uh, a couple of years back, or maybe it was even you saying, you know, that's a beautiful swath of land down there along the lakeshore, and we ought to monetize it. It's only, you know, a two-week fair. Shame. Shame. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I would never even come close to saying something like that. Well, was it you or Perks? Wasn't uh, wasn't Perks it, certainly not during my well, my era at City Hall? It was somebody then. That's that's, <laughs> wasn't that's me. public land. <laughs> okay, you know, I, in all my twenty seven years at City Hall, uh-huh. we have never, not once, sold a piece of parkland. It really? just doesn't happen. The community goes nuts when you, you you can sell land that's parking lots or housing or commercial establishments, but you cannot sell green space. The community goes nuts. So that's never going to happen. Never. Well, all right, because, you know, you got several acres down there. I don't know what it is. It looks to me like, uh, you know, it's got to be 100, maybe 120 acres, whatever. But the point being, you could monetize that. The fair is only there for two weeks of the year. And for what it's worth, I mean, that land is invaluable. So wouldn't I, I hate to put this idea in some of the counselors' minds. I thought it had come from either you or Perks, but okay. No. Well, I, 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 I will say that I am a director of both the Canadian National Exhibition, which is the fair, uh-huh. and X Place, which are the grounds. And they're two different things. Let's not forget, though, that minus the two weeks of the fair... Those grounds are happening. There are conventions, there are events, there's there's big shows like the Royal Winter Fair that come and go, and there's a, it's very important to have a civic space such as a fairground like that. I think there's a whole ton of opportunity for those lands, and we're starting to see changes like a new hotel down there that brings tourism and brings conventions into the city, which is a good thing. The big question mark is, is what will the relationship be with that piece of land called Ontario Place, and what's the future? And what's really exciting is this idea that maybe there's going to be a subway stop 
Um, so I think the future is really bright for that piece of land, and uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it as a part of city council. All right. So there's no other plan then or even uh, blue skying to monetize it in some way? Not monetize it. There's a lot of planning going on about what the strategic future is and how do we best make those lands active places along with the sports that are going on and along with all of those uh, events and conventions. That uh, And there could be lots more. Hey, by the way, you know, you just referenced that there'd be a subway stop down at Ontario Place. That's the aspirational goal from the Ford government. We know that. They drew up a quick plan, and it goes to the Science Centre in the north. But the question has arisen because I guess the Toronto Star got their hands on a confidential document, the panel that they struck, 13-member panel or whatever, uh, just going over a preliminary discussion of how they can maybe make it more cost-efficient. Some of the subway stops will now be above ground, according to the preliminary panel discussion, and they might even uh, reduce the number of stops. Like, say, up the Young Line to Richmond Hill, there was on plan something at Cummer, which is between Finch, the last stop right now, and Steeles. Uh, get rid of that, and uh, who knows what. I mean, let me ask you, Mr. Mahavik, uh, if that is something that is apt to happen and it maybe gets redrawn or whatever, I mean, is that a condemnation of the Ford plan, the original Ford plan here, or is it just uh, being prudent and going about it in the right way and planning? Well, let's leave the politics of this aside just for a second. Um, It's prudent to consider going at grade or above grade where it's possible. The bottom line is, is to dig tunnels costs hundreds of millions of dollars per kilometer, something like $300 million. So if there is no obvious reason why you should be underground, and Eglinton Crosstown is a good example. It's underground in the middle section of the city, but once it hits Leslie Street, there's no reason to take it underground. There's so much wide land there with the boulevards and... Well, you can't uh, take it underground. You're crossing the Don River. Oh, yeah, you can't. Yes, you can. You can go underground. Under the Don. Of course you can. Look at the channel. Whoa. The technology is there to go oh, under. Anything's possible with money. Oh. But then you, then you take a look at it and, uh-huh. and you say, do you really want to do that? Do you want to spend that kind of money? Or do you get a bigger bang per billion dollars invested uh, taking it at grade? And, of course, uh, I think that's what they're coming coming to the conclusion. that you just get a bigger bang for your buck if you keep it at grade where possible and underground where necessary. I think if you just keep to that maximum, you will do good public transit planning. Well, hooey, 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 hooey. Well, you know, he said, let's take the politics out of it. The politics are very much central to it. In Scarborough, you try to tell them it's going above grade now, uh, you're apt to get or whatever, something same, unfortunate. Same in my neck of the woods. I've, uh, I've got plenty of bruises to show with the fights to try to get the Eglinton piece underground because us in the suburbs want the same level of service that the urbanites have. And that is a subway out of sight and out of mind, but yet the service is there. We don't want it to disrupt the traffic across Eglinton. We want to have it underground. But I do appreciate that somebody is going and thinking about where these stations have to be because they don't have to be at every dot on the map. There's an economics to it. The more times you stop the train, the longer it takes to get from one end to the other, and the less people that will take the subway. So you have to think these things through carefully. All right. Well, Sherman, you wanted to weigh in. Go ahead. Yeah, I said hooey, hooey, hooey. First of all, I, I guess I owe somebody something, so I'll do this. Let's go to the XO, baby. Anyway, somebody had to do that. Mm. Uh, and and I won't go on about the X because that's a question you asked and was answered by one counselor and one ex-counselor. But is it a worthwhile attraction? Ask any kid. 
if he likes the Midway, and ask anybody who's uh, a crazy eater if he likes the food pavilion. And I guess that two weeks is worthwhile. And Holiday has answered the rest on uh, the various things that are and will be uh, done in terms of the use of that land to best advantage. Now, going on to the subway, I, I'm not... I've never been a city councillor, as these two guys either are or were, but I have been uh, an urban critic for a couple of years where I did go to City Hall and meet with people. One of them was actually Doug Ford at one time when he was a a councillor, and uh, people in Mayor Rob Ford's office on the issue of transit. And one of the things I discovered, and I think it's it's the driving force behind Doug and and why he uh, is so set on subways, uh, is you start to take a look at the congestion in the entire uh, area of Toronto and beyond, and it's in, it's really impossible to navigate above ground during the day. Now, I recognize that we're not sharing the streets with uh, at-grade transit, but we're certainly not... Uh, um, enhancing the situation when we take up land that is at or or near uh, thoroughfares at grade. And we're also putting the trains in a situation where weather is a factor. When you go underground, despite the fact that I recognize what, uh, what Joe said, there's a huge cost involved. The thing that turns Doug Ford's crank, and frankly turns mine, is I've taken a look at the speed, the average speed that subways travel year-round because they're not affected by weather. They don't get into fender benders because there are no cars to compete with or dogs running in front of the train or whatever it happens to be, and God forbid people. Uh, and uh, there's, there's an expense there that over the fullness of time may be very well worth having in in terms of burying your transit and having people uh, take advantage of the fact that it might be cold down there, but there's never weather. Well, you know, and this was the point I was saying that uh, politically, and you answered that one, Stephen Holliday, uh, it's a tough sell, you know, damn the cost. You want the same services. Michael Thompson was saying as much for Scarborough. There's going to be a subway or there's going to be hell to pay if they don't get one. i got to ask you guys, though, this was interesting, attendant to this. Uh, Fraser Institute, a right-wing think tank, Joe, uh, came out with a study earlier this week proposing that there be toll roads on the Gardner and the DVP because these are municipal highways. Ah, humbug. Well, <laughs> they're saying, look, if you want the services and all the rest of this... Uh, wise, wise Fraser Institute. Is it, yeah, there you go. Uh, Mahavik is on record now for being in concert with the Fraser Institute. So Every- Sherman. <laughs> and I'll be voting against uh, there's Sherman. Sherman. <laughs> well, that's not the surprise, Peter. It's Mahavik that's believing the Fraser... I recognize that, but but Holiday's saying no. I do an issue at, well, issue I, at a time. Issue I'll, at I'll, a time. I, I can elaborate, though. So, you know, at the most basic basic level, this is a raising of taxes, and that fundamentally is of concern to me because I'm more worried about the expenditure side of the column than the revenue one, but that's me as a conservative. The issue I've had with the Gardner and the DVP is that it disproportionately affects people in parts of Toronto, namely one of the communities that I represent. You know, we we rely on the Gardner to get into the city. Other options like Bloor Street and King Street have been taken away from us. So now residents where uh, where I live now have to pay to come into the city where it was free before. So I get it if you're going to add a new express lane or a new piece of infrastructure and you want to toll that to recover the cost, but to take something that's free today and then toll it, and then all of the problems on the parallel routes that come with that, that's something that I cannot live with. There's no such thing as free mobility. All mobility costs. The question is who pays for it. Mobility on the TTC, public transit, costs money. Mobility on the Gardner Expressway and DVP costs money. Who should pay for it? Right now, you have the anomaly. Just think of it, that if you take public transit, which is better for the environment, it's better from all kinds of point of view, it takes cars off the road, et cetera, et cetera, you have to pay. But if you go on the Gardner, you don't have to pay. So do we need 
to look at road pricing sooner or later. It might not be in the next three, four years. It might be in five years. It might be in 10 years. Across the globe, cities are looking at what's called road pricing. And it is a way of adjusting the balance between the users of a particular mode of transportation. If we did do road pricing and if we dedicated that to some other underfunded areas, then we could do the kind of expansion of public transit and do it more quickly and more effectively if we had a funding source. The biggest problem that the TTC has right now, it's got great plans of mice and men, but it can't get them funded. Okay, but you know when you're saying uh, the roads need to be funded some way, somehow, uh, there's a falsehood, I think, inherent in that. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Stephen Holliday, but people who drift in and out of town might be deterred from doing doing that, and then that hurts businesses, and then you don't have the same tax base. So, I mean, these are all the gives and takes. Well, and those are people that are driving into town in cars that they paid taxes on, on burning the gas, gas they paid taxes on, to go to their jobs that they pay taxes to work at. You know, uh, we get taxes everywhere, and, and I don't want to keep people from Mississauga out of the city because to, I don't want to scare them away with road pricing. I want them to come in for the ball game. So you're the conservative then, right? You're the conservative, Stephen. You're well, saying, I am saying? The, I am the concerned conservative, and I don't follow party lines. I try to use and do what's best for the people that I represent, and I know that the people in Central Etobicoke are going to get hit really hard. And it's different than somebody in North York that doesn't have as deep of a stake in this because and they're not affected I, by the highways the same way. Well, here's what I know, and maybe you guys have updated figures, but the last I looked, uh, the number of heads on pillows sleeping in Toronto any day at midnight is about 3 million, and the number of uh, people in the city, the same footprint of the city, at noon on any given workday is 6 million. So 3 million of those people are not paying taxes to Toronto, and they're using all of the infrastructure that's there. I recognize some of it is defrayed by the province, and they do pay taxes there, and all of that sort of thing. But what makes us so different from London, where there are toll roads, and there are ring roads? What makes us so different uh, from uh, New York, the Major Deegan Expressway, which is not unlike the Gardner in terms of how it surrounds Manhattan? They're, they're doing it for a reason. You got, you've got to keep this stuff up. I drive under the Gardner most days, or at least I have this summer, coming into the radio station, and and uh, I, I take a look around me, and everything is always under construction because you can't keep a road going without paying for it and having it uh, undergo constant change. If you had an influx of cash, maybe you could do the, the full and final fix, or maybe you could even double up on roads because you'd have the money to do it. And you could uh, you could use the money from these tolls to basically uh, cut the price of uh, Go Transit fares from Mississauga, the very people that you want to serve, who sometimes don't come to Toronto because of the expense of, uh, of the go fair. So it's all kinds of things you do. And so, you know, from a justice, a just financing perspective, asking road users to pay a little bit while they're using the road and use that money to support people who are overpaying for the use of public transit, go TTC, uh, I think is eminently fair. Well, boy, and if you told the gardener and the DVP, I hate to think what uh, all the different ancillary uh, roadways would be like at rush hour. It's just a, a nightmare. I, by the way, quickly, uh, i got to ask you, because, uh, Mr. Holliday, you're there in the uh, council. Ontario is going to make these blue box manufacturers pay for the cost. Uh, good idea? Yes, this has been a long-going discussion. So the concept is, is manufacturers that are making the packaging and the plastic will be the ones that are paying for the collection of the recycling and no longer the taxpayers. So a double incentive, it saves us on the tax side. So I'm happy as a, as a government representative of the municipal level. 
but also it forces the manufacturers to innovate so that the waste is less. So there's some skin in the game for them. So uh, this is a positive model going forward. We're waiting to see all the details because the devil is always in the details. But I think a lot of people on council have been watching this carefully for some time. All right, let's come back. There's another story where the devil's in the details has to do with the holistic approach to fighting criminal gang violence here in the city. Police chief, the mayor, uh, and the prime minister, minus Doug Ford, all came out with their own approaches earlier this week. We'll put it to the panel next as a topic worthy of discussion here on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.